And you are listening to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. Talking about beneficiaries, the beneficiaries, IRAs, inherited IRAs. They're both the same. Those names are used interchangeably for when someone has is named the beneficiary of an IRA, and and your, your responsibility now to take it over. And how are you going to do that? And was it set up correctly? to make sure that you have the opportunity to take advantage of the tax deferral strategies that are available. And we're talking about traditional IRAs. So Roth IRAs are going to be different because if you happen to take that out wrong, it's not going to be as devastating to you tax-wise because it's going to be tax-free as a beneficiary. So that's going to be different. So we're looking at the many, many, many and most IRAs that are still traditional, and they may have come from a rollover that occurred from someone retiring with their 401k and they rolled it over to an IRA, maybe at their custodian at Vanguard or Fidelity, or they put it with their financial advisor, their broker, whatever it is, but it's it's money that was put into that account from those sources. You want to pay attention to this because there's there's certain limitations to traditional IRAs versus IRAs that were rolled over from your qualified plans like 401ks and retirement plan lump sum distributions and you need to be thinking about whether or not it makes sense from a liability standpoint to segregate those rollover funds from your regular contributory traditional IRAs because there's a higher limit if you keep those segregated higher limit of liability protection really unlimited on the 401k retirement plan side that's not on the IRA side and once you commingle them then you are going to effectively eliminate that protection. So you want to be careful about that. So the where the mistakes happen with inherited IRAs is when it's time to pass those IRAs to the beneficiaries. And, of course, the most important part there is going to be the beneficiary form. So if you don't set things right up in the beneficiary form, then that tax-deferred compounding of that IRA may be lost. And so then your income taxes, of course, are going to be paid earlier than they needed to be and potentially at a higher bracket because if you take the money out and you have to include that distribution as part of your income in a given year, you have to add that to the other income. If you're still working, you add that to that income. So perhaps you're just getting up close to where the marginal tax bracket changes from 12 to 22. And because you take out a larger amount than you maybe even had to or you're required to because the IRA was not set up correctly to distribute correctly, then that puts you into that 22% or even higher bracket sooner than you really needed to if you had planned it correctly. So so the beneficiary form is that first key to make sure that that, that you maximize that long-term stretch. So you need to make sure that you name an individual. You can be more than one individual, but it needs to be an individual as the beneficiary on, of course, a, a real valid beneficiary form. It has to be the right beneficiary form. Now, the one exception, we'll talk about this a little bit, is it could be a qualified trust. So if you have a concern about a, a spouse, a child, whoever that, whomever that beneficiary is, not spending it, or maybe they're going to, not spending it correctly, not taking it out correctly over their lifetime, you think they're a spendthrift and you want to essentially protect them against themselves and their own bad spending habits, then you set that up as a trust. But you got to be careful. It's a qualified trust and has to have the right terms or the right language 
built into that trust to make sure it qualifies for that pass through for those because there's a required minimum distribution for an IRA as an inherited IRA. It's going to be a different formula. We think of these required minimum distributions just being for those who are retired. And there's a formula that that you have to use. The IRS publishes that table that says this is how much you need to take out every year based on the previous year ends balance. There's the same required minimum distribution if it's an inherited IRA. And I know over time I've been in this business long enough to have seen many people forget that they had to do that. So you need to look at your beneficiary designations. Look online to make sure it is at your custodians to make sure it says the right thing. I would say even keep a copy of the beneficiary designations that you have that you made. But I think if to save the most kind of hassle that you might have, go online, go with the custodian and say, what, how do you have my beneficiaries listed? Because if that's how they have the beneficiaries listed, then that's the way they're going to see it. And that's the way they'll distribute those funds later. So that's the primary beneficiary. What about the contingent beneficiary? So it's always a good idea to name a secondary or a contingent beneficiary. Most people that are married, you're naming your spouse's primary beneficiary and you're naming your children as contingent beneficiaries. And generally they're divided equally. And, and that's fine in, in most cases. But if you don't name someone and it's you and your spouse and and both of you die together or if you die and your spouse doesn't get that into her own account and this is going to be a very very important you don't want grass growing under your feet for this when somebody passes away you want to make sure you don't waste time taking that inherited ira and putting it into your name so you can name your own beneficiaries if it's still in the name of the person who died and then you die before doing that it's still in the name of the first person that died and then it's and then who's the beneficiary there? Is there a contingent there? So you can get really sticky. So making sure that you make those transfers as soon as you can. And then you want to consider adding some perstirpes language. So I'm going to talk about that when we get back from the break this, to make sure that you don't disinherit your grandchildren. I've had a whole program about this almost, so I'm just going to touch on it briefly, and I'll do that as soon as you get back from the break. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. My biggest goal here on Talking Money is to answer questions and do it in an objective, 
non-sales way. So we're talking about inherited IRAs from a traditional IRA, not Roth, and the things you need to be considering. And I was talking about naming contingent beneficiaries just before the break. So we want to make sure that you set these up correctly. And, and first of all, name a, a primary beneficiary, then name a contingent beneficiary. So in case the primary is not there, there's somebody else that's going to get those funds. And many people will name their children, and assuming multiple children, as beneficiaries. So if you have that situation, and especially if one of your children has children, you'll want to make sure that you set the beneficiary designations up, including the language per stirpes, P-E-R-S-T-I-R-P-E-S, per stirpes. It's the only Latin I know, but it's it's important uh, statement to put in, and many beneficiary forms now have it. It wasn't that long ago that we were working with custodians and say, look, we want to put this on here. It wasn't there. We had to put special uh, special beneficiary designation language with the beneficiary form to make sure that we had that language in there. And custodians would fight this and say, you know, they were so worried about having it go wrong or having some extra responsibility they didn't want to have uh, tacked onto them that they wouldn't uh, didn't want us to have it on there, certainly wanted to have it set in a specific way. So you put perturbies on there so that if one of your children predeceases you, that the children of that child will get that child's share. If you just put all three kids, and let's say all three kids of yours have children, and one of your children predeceases you, then that money is going to go to the other two children if you don't have perturbies on there. It's going to be per capita, not perturbies. And it's going to go to those other two families. The the grandchildren that you had from that child that predeceased you and also that in-law, that daughter-in-law or son-in-law, are not going to receive any of that money. Now, you probably don't have too much problem with the son-in-law, daughter-in-law not getting that, but you want the grandkids to get it for sure. And the way to make sure that you're going to get that is to add that perturbies language. You could have perturbies on two of them that have grandkids and not perturbies on the other. So that if one child died that didn't have children, then their share would go to the other two kids. If you want to make sure that the assets go to a an in-law, maybe you really consider that, that daughter-in-law, son-in-law as part of the family. And you want to make sure they get the assets or at least have a portion of them and so forth. That you'll have to name them specifically it's not, you're not going to be able to, to, uh, they're not going to automatically be as, as part of that, uh, inheritance or as part of that beneficiary. Son-in-law, daughter-in-law as well. No, that doesn't happen. It's going to go to the grandkids. And another good idea is to, is to name a, a, uh, charity as a final beneficiary. Or if you want to have, if you're charitably inclined at all and you want to make sure that the uh, some money goes to a charity and you may have it on your will that says, I want the money to go to a charity, then uh, you, your best bet is to take it out of your will and put it in an IRA. So you could you could roll out a portion of the IRA that you have that is designed to uh, go to the, the family, take part of that out, however much you want to go to the charity or ministry, have that go out, and then you would have that money. You could have the spouse sales primary, but then the your church or some other ministry or charity as the contingent beneficiary for that one. That way they're going to get that money instead of it coming from your state, which is going to be essentially an after-taxable 
distribution from the IRA, which is now a taxable distribution, but because the ministry or charity is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, they're not going to pay any taxes on it. So that that makes it um, a much more tax-efficient way to give those proceeds to a ministry or charity. All right, so let's go. We've got time. Let's go to Pam, who's calling us from Brevard, North Carolina. Welcome to Talking Money, Pam. Yeah, good morning. Um, I have a an IRA okay. with my husband. I'm about 70 years old. Okay. My husband is beneficiary, and our two children is, I guess, contingent beneficiaries or backup beneficiaries. Right. Um, I have a revocable trust. The IRA is not mentioned as being part of the revocable trust. I do not have a will. I was thinking of doing a pour-over will mm-hmm. of, of, of all my other assets into my trust. But somebody said, don't put your IRA into yeah. a revocable pour-over, I don't know, pour-over yeah. will into a <laughs> trust. Okay. So uh, that's my question, I guess. Okay. So should you do that? Should you not do that? Is that yeah. a good idea? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so a lot depends on, on how that trust is set up and what you want to accomplish. Now, if the trust is set up so that when you die, you've got some controls in there so that your children don't just automatically, you and your spouse are both gone and your children are going to get the money, but you don't want them to get it necessarily all at once. You've got some provisions in there that's going to pay it out over some period of time, and you want your IRA distributions to be under that same kind of schedule, then you would say, yes, you want to make that trust the beneficiary of the IRA, but you want to make sure that the trust does have the right kind of language. It's very, very important that that trust have the right kind of language to be a correct uh, uh, IRA conduit trust. So if it's not, then you want to make sure before you change the beneficiary on the IRA to the trust, make sure that trust is set up correctly to 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 handle that those kind of proceeds. If if you don't set up the trust, then you want to take some of these other ideas in consideration with the persterpes language and so forth. But uh, it's very important that that trust document be set up uh, correctly. And then, like I said. If you've got a ministry, some kind of charity you want to put in, name them as a partial beneficiary or schedule it out to put in a separate one altogether. And then when you're when you inherited IRA, the way they work now, the way they can work, if you have three children who are beneficiaries of that, then they can all take their own portion portion of the inherited IRA and put it in their own inherited IRA. So that that's something they can do after the fact. You can always separate into separate IRAs, especially if you want them to get different percentages. You can always, of course, set different percentages in the IRA beneficiary form, or you can set up different IRAs. That's that's a little more cumbersome from an administrative standpoint, but it's something that, of course, uh, you could do. So um, make sure that the, the, the trust is set up correctly, is drafted correctly, and that it uh, is not going to um, be disallowed because, or your taxes are really going to be accelerated because the trust didn't uh, set up right. Uh, check on the IRA uh, beneficiaries at, at the custodian level. Check online to make sure it's uh, correct. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of custodians talk about the high percentage of beneficiaries that take all their money out within just a few years. They don't try to stretch it out. My former partner, uh, Leon Fiansky from years ago, used to say, yeah, said, uh, some, said so many of their, the, um, 
people that they know that when their parents died, the kids may go by the bank on the way back in the mortuary and say, hey, I want my money. Get it all out now. So hopefully that's not the way your kids will think. But if you want to control that, that's where you'd set up the trust, as as Pam was talking about. So you want to make sure that you even talk to the kids about doing that. Say, this is how I'd like for you to do it. It's not, and maybe get their reaction and see whether or not it's something that needs to, to be done with more restrictions on it because you don't think uh, they're going to, to do that. So when when a person passes away, you want to make sure that the children will go to that custodian and say, I need this set up in a inherited IRA, which means it's still going to be the name of the deceased person was with me as beneficiary of that IRA. So that's why I said a beneficiary or inherited IRA. And believe me, it wasn't that long ago that you would call a custodian. They had no idea what you were talking about. Let's say within 10 years ago. It's not so bad now, but it used to be. And when you're in this business as long as I have, you've seen a lot of things like that. And trying to fight with them and say, no, this is a beneficiary IRA. It's not going to be taxable now. Once you take it out in your own name, it's history. I mean, you're, it's irrevocable. It's going to be taxable that year. You can't roll it over in 60 days. You can't do anything like that. It's... It's done. So make sure you don't shift it over into your name. That'd be like the worst thing you can do. Appreciate you listening today. Have a great weekend. If you have any questions or like to learn more about the topics covered on the podcast today, reach out to your financial advisor. We believe, however, that it is very important to work with an advisor who shares your values and biblical worldview. For more information, please call me, Mike Miller, at 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Or send me an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.